See, you understand. Now, why can't she see that? Why can't she be more like... More like... Uh, a man. More like a man. So... you wish... Keiko was a man? I wish I was on this trip with someone else. That's what I wish. <laughs>
I'll take you to that bar. You have a drink and you'll be like, holy shit, these are actually gay bar pours. And like they're solid drinks for fucking cheap. Right. In Times Square, three, four bucks. You kidding me? Like there's that's just... what I'm that's what I'm saying. Like where where are they making their money? Uh, it's uh it's a kind of they have a kind of agreement. Uh is there something on your nose? You keep, you keep if you know what I mean. I'm some, positive they have a little uh doot doot woo woo uh you know pip pop pop. Are they are they selling it? You're selling the thing. I I, mean, I don't know. I'm just saying I think that I think that handshakes were had. Okay. And a deal was made, is all I'm all saying. Right. I don't know the particulars. I'm just guessing that there's some kind of a connection with something, someone. Maybe some oh. people, maybe some organization. I don't know the parameters. I don't know the specifics. Oh. I just know that there's no way that a bar that has that prime real estate in Times Square area that is charging that little for drinks that when I went in the first time was completely dead could stay alive and weather COVID if there wasn't a, a, a something, a something. I don't know. All, all I'm going to say in general is... People vastly underestimate how many businesses around them are strictly money laundering ventures. Oh yeah. Uh, like like so much of real estate, both in like real estate sales or like new development, like it's just all like it's all money laundering. Anyways. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Well, anyways. Um uh, you know, I think that someone that who might also engage in money laundering schemes would be our guy Quark, which leads us into talking yes. about Stepstone. Quark, that's another bar uh, with alternate uh, revenue streams. Well, also with a cop that's literally been paid off. <laughs> like, bought and paid for a cop that is looking the other way when that bar is up to some shenanigans. Except, like, except that he's not paid with money; he's just paid with entertainment. Like, yeah. there's, there's just literally nothing else going on in this guy's life. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, yeah. Uh, this guy reads security re- reports, uh, sleeps in a bucket, <laughs> like, like going back home to his Home Depot paint bale or whatever. And then, <laughs> and then, you know, what is it? What does he got in his life? He can spy on Quark as like a, a candlestick or something. Uh, just you know everyone has their thing that they're into i'm not here to judge i don't kink shame uh we just know that's uh odo's a voyeur he likes to watch odo likes to watch he likes to watch he also might be a little bit of a cuckold but anyways um let's talk about today's episode miles and bashir are doing who knows what the fuck out in the gamma quadrant which is wild we're doing a biomedical scan or something which is wild because they know they shouldn't be out over there. But since they are, they decide to go and investigate something on their sensors that they say could be a ship in distress. And in doing so, they themselves become the ship in distress. Call it the, ambulance, it, but not yes, for me. Yes, thank you. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do? Stab me? <laughs> it's just like... Anyways, uh, uh, they crash land on a planet. And find oh a no. of, yeah, and find a bunch of Jim and R pointing guns to their faces. The lead Jim Hadar dude, who I I didn't bother to remember to remember his name, uh, recruits Bashir to help wean the Jim Hadar off of Ketracel White, the drug they used to keep the Jim Hadar in the service of the Dominion before the, M- the MK Ultra, <laughs> the MK Ultra, before they run out of their supply and basically die. Bashir decides to help them while Miles opposes this. They fight. Bashir fails to find a cure. Miles tries to run away, but gets caught. But then the Jemadar chooses to let them go anyways because, uh, you know, soldier Ura. Meanwhile, back on the station, Worf saw Odo being a fascist, and he said, hold my beer. Uh, or more accurately, hold my prune juice. This leads to Worf getting a lesson that he is no right. longer a cop and has to learn how to adapt to life on DS9. Okay. <laughs> what a time. Well, well, you know. Good uh, for us. Well, well, uh, okay. So, Matthew, <laughs> um, what in this episode works yes. for you? Um, I don't know. I, I have issues with this episode, uh, mainly about the Worf stuff uh, and how, surprisingly, this is not even the worst look that we'll see on Worf over the course of the series. But what works for you in this episode? Um, we're gonna get to that. I think that Worf maybe deserves this, so I'm gonna help me hold that thought. But um, 
No, in this episode, I think, you know, this is this is one of those like maybe like a six point five or something out of ten. Um, I could take it all the way up to a seven potentially, just based off of I've always really appreciated the um, Bashir Miles planet um, element. Just you know, breaking it down where like where we see the Jemadar who they're not at war with. By the way, O'Brien's we'll get, just we'll O'Brien's just like, yo, kill them all, like, like <laughs> fuck them, let them die, let them die slow. I want to watch. Yeah, and Bashir's like, I don't know, maybe I'll help them live. Yeah, and um, you know that sets off kind of a meta dialogue between, um, you know, maybe there's an opportunity to find a common ground. Maybe like maybe this uh, beef that it appears that we have could be averted. And it doesn't have, we don't have to go to war. This doesn't have to end in bloodshed. Maybe this could end in, you know, people being freed and healthy and et cetera. And so I appreciated the way that Bashir went about it, where he was just like, Bashir was a doctor, Bashir was a Federation officer, and Bashir was human in a way that, um, you know, contrasted with O'Brien, who was not. Yeah. So I appreciated the way that that uh Bashir handled that business yeah this show really like this episode really did a lot in terms of um uh you know I it's kind of hard to say like the phrase humanizing when it, we're talking about an alien species but <laughs> it's a lot to like humanize the Jim Hadar as um as free thinkers and people with free will versus <laughs> you know so all my free thinkers out there <laughs> um <laughs> these, yeah. these guys are like I don't want the vax. <laughs> don't, well, I mean, don't give me, don't give me yeah. that catch yourself vax. I don't want to be free. Yeah, as it turns out, <laughs> the end, they're like, uh, if being free of white means I'm a punk bitch like you, I don't want it. <laughs> you. That was incredible. They could have just died, but instead they're just like, no, we're gonna be girl him first. Truly. Um, what works for me in this episode? I love Ben. You know. We, we're always like talking about Ben the manager and he's a good boss. He's a great boss. And he was a great boss in this episode too. Um, he's just like incredibly patient with Worf and it's just like, eh, you'll figure it out. And then at the end of the episode, it's like, nope. And uh, see, you know, here's the lesson. Bop, 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 bop. While I learn something. Box. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, he's just adorable. Like I just, it was just so cute watching him little, tinkering away on his little clock and giving a life lesson and coffee uh to Worf. Very charming. Yeah. yeah. Uh what didn't work for you in this episode? Well, what did... <laughs> I have to make sure what didn't work for me was um unfortunately 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 a, a cab includes Worf. Like it's very clearly like we're not even feeling like there's no hint of like hesitancy of a cab includes Zoto. Like it's not, right. it's not the Wesley Snipes meme of like when you have to kill your buddy. The, the New Jack Wharf. City. Yeah. 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 Um, but Wharf, it is a little, it is, there's a little bit of a hesitancy there. You know, there's a, a slight tier of a cab does include Wharf. It really, really sucks. Yeah. The single tear running down the face when you know that. You know, there are reasons that we all fucked with Worf um, in TNG, you know, you yep. and I especially. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is dude's always looking to fight. This is only answer to anything. And, um, you know, he got, he got embarrassed in this episode. He did. And, you know, he, he looked foolish. He had a reckoning coming. Um, a reckoning coming in here okay we'll speak on that uh i mean what didn't work for me in this episode was the worst stuff either like it just it's just not a good look for worth whatsoever um but speak on the you know he deserved this he had a reckoning coming well he's he's always he's always been the cop the you know the fascist tendency has been there this whole time um, you know, he wasn't, he's, he's been unable to learn the lessons that he could have from TNG. 
where, you know, and again, there's a sort of paternalistic way that everybody delivered the messages to him. Yeah. yeah. So I understand being, you know, being like, fuck that. But it's not even really like where Worf was coming from. It's just like, no, I'm, this is just like what my nature is, blah, blah, blah. Um, unless he's actually talking to another Klingon, in which then he's talking down to them. It's a real, like, he's just in an unfortunate place. And again, part of this is the writer's room. And, um, you know, they're trying to say something and they don't have the range for it. Well, yeah. I mean, like, the amount of times that um, between him and Bolana Torres on Voyager, like, they're wanting to do, like, biracial storylines yes they're very interested in that adoptive parent storylines of like you know uh we rescued this poor savage baby and we're gonna raise him rights yeah we're gonna we're gonna um (laughs) civilize Uh, civilize the savage like yeah (laughs) star trek in the 90s and 2000s was very very obsessed with that kind of stuff and uh i don't know uh could have done without it personally um but yeah i mean i think that Worf as a character is like um it's interesting to see him elevated to a certain degree like you know i i think that on on tng he was probably you had cap you know picard was the lead uh data probably came next data probably came um Riker, and then Worth, you probably have Crusher or Troy. Probably Troy. And but then, yeah, both of both of them were so, ahead of Worf. Yeah, but like so. Lord Jordy also ahead of Worf in terms of like billing. Is what you're well, saying? my point being is that in in TNG, Worf was so far down the call sheet that in this show he is much higher up. Like he is probably number three ish. Um, I think in part because he's coming in, not to like save the series or anything, but just to give the show a little bit of extra kick, right? And so it's, you know, Ben and then, I don't know, maybe Kira or Odo and then, then, uh, and then Worf or something. I don't know. But either way, it's interesting that he's going from a show where he was so far down in terms of billing that he is now a little bit higher. And so the show is like, okay, we need to actually give this character some storylines and like give this character stuff to do. That is more than just being, you know, a sounding board for Picard to say, no, we're not going to fire phasers for the one thousandth time. Right. And I, I'm sure that we'll come into this, like we'll, we'll have more opportunities to talk about Worf as the show continues, but it's interesting to like inherit a character that's been in like in the public eye for seven years and then start decide to start doing something with the character. You know, like Ooh, he yeah. definitely had stuff that he, you know, he definitely had some character building in, in TNG for sure. You know, a lot of Klingon stuff was in TNG. He had a son that he doesn't remember that he had. Um he almost got married. Like, I don't know. I think they got engaged maybe, Um, you know, like a lot of things happened. Right. But this is the show that they're like, we're going to like really, really deep in his character. So basically put a pin in that. And I'm very curious to kind of see what their intentions are behind building this character, because it's, like this episode kind of acts as a reset for the character, right? Like, you know, you've got Odo and you've got Cisco saying, you're not a cop anymore. You are no longer the character that you were on TNG. You are now this new character that has new responsibilities and new expectations. And you are operating in an environment that is a different environment than what you had on TNG. Like it's kind of the writers in the show trying to acknowledge a certain separation or just say like, establishing that Worf is in a new stage in his life in like both a story narrative perspective, but also just in like the show perspective, which is trying to set new expectations for Worf as a character, but also new expectations for us as viewers to kind of, you know, move away from what we think he was in TNG to whatever they decide he's going to be in Deep Space Nine. Yeah. And they do that in a lot of different ways. Like even the the hairstyle the the red uniform like 
they're making the this wharf is looks different than the other wharf, you know, in, in little ways, but in enough for you to know, like you're never gonna see a clip of wharf, like even like in this quarters, and confuse the DS9 wharf with the TNG wharf. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, but... Yeah. And so now now they're trying to they're trying to make a difference in the way that you understand the character a bit. Yeah, I think so. And I think that one of the things that's interesting about how they're using Worf in this episode is that it's also like commentary on the show itself and the show's place in the Trek universe, how they are differentiating TNG and DS9 yet again, which is like one of their favorite things to do. You know, the writers, we've said this constantly, that they're constantly comparing... um, and more importantly, contrasting TNG with uh, with DS9. Worf says in this episode, like, you know, when I was on the Enterprise, it was very clear and very easy to know who my friends were and who my enemies were. And Cisco is like, well, you're going to have to get used to a lot of shades of gray. And like Quark, as an example, has a lot of gray to him. And that's just the show's way of differentiating the two different shows. And so when... I know that you've had some thoughts about, uh, I guess, kind of like insecurities of the show. When you came into like came across like those lines in this episode, how did you read them? Like, how did you react to them? Um, fine, you know, like okay. I don't think. I mean, no, I mean, I don't think that they need to say that. Just like I, I haven't with the other times that they try to differentiate the show like the work shows the difference you don't need to then like come in and be like you know it's the economy stupid or like whatever you know what i mean like you don't need to like browbeat us i think that um you know you give your audience a little bit more credit like they understand that things are more gray um in this in this circumstance i think that maybe they're also responding to the the fact that they have the contradiction in having this like fascist cop running the station who would love to have like just curfews for everybody, but also just watches the guy do the crimes and never and never does anything about it. Like sometimes he'll like collect the other people doing the crimes, but he won't it's sort of the way that the um <laughs> how like the FBI does crimes with all the mafia bosses, you yeah. know, like, like every mafia boss is also an informant, you know, like, like they hate stitches, but they're all stitches, mm-hmm. but like in a way that's justifiable to them, but they work hand in hand with law enforcement, which at some point means that law enforcement's also like working for the criminals, you know, like, and Odo's in that weird place. And I think that maybe maybe the writers are also having to not just compare and contrast DS9 and TNG, but also maybe like, you know, after an off season, you know, in between season three and four, like getting some fan complaints and being like, listen guys, like it's, it's all good. Let me explain what he's doing. Like the, the man has a plan actually. Maybe. Well, (laughs) yeah, maybe, but I think that, um, they might have a plan in that regard, but I don't know if they entirely have a plan with how they want to talk about the, the Dominion um, in the show. No. Uh, we had two episodes ago in the season four premiere, huge Klingon battle, huge Klingon war, like very much setting the stage for a lot more fighting between the Federation and the Klingons to come, right? Um, in this episode, we get a little bit of a glimpse of continuing uh skirmishes or you know fights or whatever and a little bit of yada 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 ding with uh garon you know chancellor garon but then the primary focus of this episode is on the dominion right and i had a thought that this episode is wanting to do a lot with the dominion but i'm not entirely sure if this is like the right time to be doing stuff with the Dominion, it kind of feels like they're not sure where, like, where they want to go. Because within 
you know, I I think that also we're used to and I and I'm I'm not trying to look at this in the within the lens of like a serialized TV show, which this show is progressively moving in a serialized direction, but in like a 13 episode season, like an eight to 13 episode season your first two to three episodes of the season you have an idea of where they're heading right you have an idea of what the central conflict is what is going to be happening um but typically in those seasons like they're trying to plot out the entire season at the beginning of the of of the season right like when the writer's room convene they're sketching out an entire serialized arc obviously back in the day when they were doing 24 26 episode seasons you know, they might have some like major plot beats that they want to hit, but they're not fully mapping out the arc like they are these days. So, uh, like watching this, do you get a sense of between the three episodes that we've watched so far this season that they do know where they want to go? No. And this is one of the things that with DS9 in particular, they'll have a show where something big happens, an episode where something big happens, and then the next three episodes are just like bullshit day in the life of the station episodes. Um, oh, Kira's in love with another Bajoran leader of some kind. Oh, not another one. You know, like, uh, like whatever. And you're like, um, right, but didn't you just say that like, the, you know, like, the uh the defiant was destroyed in the gamma quadrant there's like the dominions up to blah 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 they like kidnapped everyone and now it's like we're just not going to talk about that again yep and then um here they're so confused where it's like there's a klingon war no never mind it's like we're not going to keep that up like it was just like a three-day war and now it's done but then later they're going to be like no we want to do the klingon war again and even like more so and then but in the meantime Hey, it's the Dominion. Hey, we're taking captive. Hey, now we're going to be doing other things. And then, you know, and then after the Klingon War, we're just going to immediately go into, you know, it's just like, it feels very, uh, feels very out of control. It kind of does. And it's kind of surprising. I mean, like, I know that, like, I've referenced season five and season six so many damn times on the podcast of that both of those seasons um especially in how they start off like they just start off a little bit more confidently and with a little bit more direction as to where they're heading you know um but they but they really are very very different um in terms of what they're trying to accomplish and you get a better sense especially in season i want to say it's season six like the first six episodes are an entire arc so like six episodes out of a 26 episode season like that's a significant amount of time Mm -hmm. that you're focusing on one specific story and so they do get there but i don't know if they're like fully in a serialized um headspace yet and so maybe they're just kind of like bouncing around a little bit and it's something that tng did you know like they had best of both worlds and then that was it for the borg for a long time you know like it was just yeah we're done here you know um and so it is kind of interesting that it's you know it's one of the aspects of this era of star trek of you know i was looking at this reddit post earlier today and someone was asking do you think we'll ever have a 20 episode star trek show again and probably not like the way that these you know production like you know these studios are putting out content like i don't think so like they're not going to put a star trek show in prime time which that's the only thing that gets 20 episode seasons now so yeah we're probably not ever going to get a 20 episode season again but that being said like if it wasn't a 20 episode season, we wouldn't have had an episode like we did last week in the visitor, which was incredible. So it's just one of those trade-offs of sometimes you get banger standalone episodes. And then sometimes you kind of get directionless episodes, you know, it just is, that's how it works. And I don't mind them doing different things. It just, Especially, I guess, when you know what's coming later, it just feels yeah 
it feels especially directionless. Well, and my thing is just that, you know, an episode like this, where the show is trying to very actively, um, as I said earlier, humanize the Jim Hadar and portray the Jim Hadar in a new way that we haven't seen before, wanting to give them agency, wanting to give them free will, that these, this, you know, at least the leader, maybe not the rest of them, but at least the leader sees himself as a slave to the Dominion, as a slave to the founders, people that he's never even met and never will meet. Like, you know, like he was saying that other other species fight wars for gods who speak to them, but the founders don't speak to them. It's like he's fighting for people that he'll never meet, he'll never see, and who don't even acknowledge their existence, basically. Um, yeah. like they're just hanging out in their fuck pool 24 7 never leaving and yet they're you know managing this war across quadrants they're easy they're not going to go hang out on the front lines and and so we're spending all this time to give a different perspective of the dominion and a different perspective of jim at R. my thing is i feel like this would hit a little bit more if this were in season five or in season six because the main thing that we'll end up talking about is kind of the debate between Bashir and Miles, which I think is natural for that to be the focus. Whereas if this episode were a season or two later, I think the focus would be on the humanizing of the Jemadar. Yeah. You know, so humanizing the Jemadar, it's setting up the way that their hierarchies work within the dominion. Um, which is helpful information. Like it's good for us to understand the way that their divisions are set up where there's soldiers who are just chattel, you know, like they're, they're bred, they're bred to, to go fight and die. Um, Then you have the managerial class, you know, that's just like keeping these people in line, giving them just enough to function, but not enough for um for them to have self-determination um and keeping them um ideologically compliant you know where it's just like we serve the founders we blah 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 and just repeat it over and over and the way that it functions is very much like you know any military right like you've got the soldiers you've got the the sort of like officer class and then you've got, you know, as they would derisively say, as we've seen in previous episodes, then you have the politicians who are deciding things or whatever. And, you know, at this point, you could say we've got the military industrial complex, you know, mm-hmm. like the, the bomb makers who are deciding, you know, whatever we, we're going to do. Or it's and like this is all interesting stuff and things that you could, we could get into. And we were discussing before we started recording about like, well, it feels like there's something here to talk about. Um, but I don't want to talk about it now because it's not going to be relevant for another season. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it's kind of hard. <laughs> so it's like you're laying all this stuff down. And I guess like maybe you remember some of it later on, you know, but it's like early in season three, they t- they have like a blip of Dominion stuff. Early in season four, there's a blip of Dominion stuff. But they kind of don't feel like they're ready to carry that yet. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it feels like they're like, okay, we're gonna get into this and then pull away. Yeah. And and that's that's just like the you know, the programming side of things that I'm just kind of curious about. And I'm just kind of curious about how they what their thought process was, but like these are good things to talk about. Like these are good questions to bring up, and it really is very useful and very compelling to be critiquing um the structure of the dominion but we don't we haven't seen the structure of the dominion yet like we haven't even like fully seen how the vorta operate we've seen one vorta at this point and even he was like for the most part that we saw of him he was just like in a, like a simulation right uh, in the series three opener, we've seen a founder, um, and we kind of know what her deal is, so we've got that sorted. Um, but yeah, we just haven't like fully seen the hierarchy yet, and so 
this kind of critique of the hierarchy, it's, 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 it just, I don't know, it, it doesn't hit the way that it could. I think that if we've spent a little bit more time with them, you know? Yeah. No, it's, it's interesting, you know, being 30 years out, I, you know, what the machinations were of everything. Like, I think that we could say that, you know, you said that bringing on Morph wasn't to like bail out the show, but I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I feel like from what I recall, and, you know, maybe you know more of this, but it feels like the DS9, DS9, I remember he, like hearing at the time that it was like kind of a disappointment or not as good or whatever, which is kind of where some of the insecurity comes from the writers and, you know, they're, they're pushing back. But, um, you know, I, I think that they went to war stuff to kind of save the series, this stuff to kind of save the series. So I don't know, like yeah. maybe they're just kind of throwing shit against the wall at this point. I mean, it was more so just that um, uh, saving the series is like, I don't know if the show is necessarily in that much peril, but you know, I I don't know that much about the behind the scenes, even though you know, I of course furiously read the companion. The companion didn't get to tell you that shit. No, as it turns out, it's, it does not That's, tell that part. That that propagated the book. <laughs> no, um, but like, yeah, I mean, he probably was something like the same as Jerry Ryan as Seven of Nine came into Voyager, you know, like. Both shows just needed a little boost. They needed a little oomph. They needed a little something. Well, um, <laughs> Voyager needed more than DS9 needed. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> There's, there was no chance you're getting me on a recap show for Voyager. I I absolutely would not start a recap show for Voyager. <laughs> so don't worry. We're all good. Was, <laughs> there was not a single chance. I'm like, I, I would rather be the eight millions podcast on next gen before uh doing that i'd rather hate talk about discovery than watch voyager again oh god that's that's the podcast that the world needs uh the world doesn't need it but you might i might that might be my revenge <laughs> <laughs> i am the captain now <laughs> yeah yo you're gonna come on this you're gonna hear my you're gonna hear some takes <laughs> Hey, if you want to run the podcast, go for it. If you want to produce hey, it, uh, hey, hey, did um, discount discount? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'll, I'll, you know, uh, <laughs> let's 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 get put different talking. Let's move it along. Let's uh, move it along. <laughs> speaking of fucking around and finding out, uh, Starfleet needs to stay at the Gamma Quadrant. What are you doing, girl? What, why are you going? There? It's he, you know he treats you bad. Stop going back to him. He doesn't no, care about you. He doesn't love you. He doesn't treat you the way that I'll treat you. Stop going back to him. Delete his number. Stop no. texting him. I know you're drunk and I know you want to reach out, but stop it. Listen, they're like, every time you go there, they got beef and beat your ass. You've not once, nobody, like, they they crushed uh, a Cardassian Romulan fleet. They busted up your little tough, your tough little shit. They, like this, they wrecked a galaxy class starship. Like every single is, time, yeah. they get wrecked. And they like, what, what about? Yeah, why don't we go out here like a VW bug? It's gonna be fine. I, they're all masochists. Starfleet is full of a bunch of masochists, and that's what they are. Yeah, they. Uh... Oh, we're we're just reaching out. This is where you know all the critiques come in. You know, where they're like, "We're just explorers. We're just whatever." And these people are like, "This is do you know, you know what Starfleet's doing? Starfleet's still booking their vacations in Hawaii." <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter how many times these people are like, "We no. don't want you here. You stole this in the first place. Stop fucking up our our little our little islands, and and we're just going back and back." Yeah, I've got uh, I've got my students reading a few articles on Hawaii and the Hawaii fires, the recent Hawaii fires, uh, and white supremacy and white tourism coming up soon. Landowner, <laughs> like you know, taking people's land out, you know, like we're gonna rebuild this stuff, you know, with us us owning it somehow in the end. Yeah, man, like yeah, Starfleet, stop it. 
get out of there. They don't want you there. It's like, you know, how many times do we need news stories that the water is angry with us and you've got all these different animals that are like fucking up ships, fucking up people. You've got, you know, submarines that are fucking around and finding out like how many times do we need these reminders? Like Starfleet is a perfect, um, uh, you know, metaphor for humanity and especially for Americans. Like we just can't stop doing shit. They're like, they're like don't go, don't come here. And we're like, yeah, I hear you, but we want to still. We're constantly sticking our fingers in electrical sockets, like in electrical outlets. Like we just can't, we can't stop. We don't, we don't want you to come here. You're hurting us. You're ruining our place. It's like bad for us. We don't, we're like, so, we don't like it. Please, please stop. And we're like, so what you're saying is we should do a survey of the area. Right. Is that what you're saying? Oh, what a yeah. What is um shouldn't that have been Dax? I mean, technically, yes, but Dax going know, doing a survey or whatever, like like nobody's sick back at the station, or Dax and Bashir, like what exactly is the chief engineer doing there? Piloting the ship. Basically, like that's basically what he's doing. Well, apparently, Dax is a pilot, so I mean, you're not wrong. Like, it definitely would make sense. It would make more sense mission wise, mission priority wise, for it to be Dax out there and maybe I can priority wise. Okay, narrative wise, it works. Um, All right, fucking analyze the show or not. Um, the mission priority um, okay. Uh, staff. <laughs> okay. Uh, can we talk about me shipping and get to our favorite scenes already, please? You can get to you can get to you shipping, but then it, within the scene, you see someone being very uncomfortable with the idea of it. Uh, I think that you'll find what was what was that? Posited, uh, Wait, where do you hear that? Have been? Boop. Do you hear that? Uh, uh, uncomfortable at the idea of confronting their true self Boop. and their true feelings. Boop. Do you hear that? What's that? Boop. What's that? That's a blip on the Kinsey on the Kinsey radar. I just heard a bloop. I heard a bleep. Okay, someone's let's, around. Let's talk about our favorite scenes in this episode. And I have in the notes. We all know which scene I'm choosing. And that is right. I'm bequeathing my scene to 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 give you this. Oh, this thank scene. you. Okay, yes. thank you very much. This is a very like uh, this is a very well known scene. I imagine uh, among the shipping community and among. Uh, fan fiction community. Um, I have seen this scene referenced a billion times on on Trek Twitter. Um, you've got Bashir and O'Brien that are in the runabout and they're talking. And uh, at first, it's just O'Brien kind of complaining about Keiko, um, which is really bizarre. Um, how he complains about it because like Bashir is kind of ribbing him of being like, and like Bashir is very clearly understanding that Miles is being dumb like just being a dumb man here because miles he's being a he's being a very of a very dude bro man right now very dude bro man uh and o'brien finally gets the point of saying exactly exactly see you understand now why can't she see that why can't she be more like and bashir's like more like and o'brien uh a, a man more like a man so you wish keiko is a man uh uh, uh, well, well, Bashir, or well, Miles, I mean, do you want Keiko to be a man? Would would you prefer to be in a relationship with a man? Would you prefer to be in a relationship maybe with Bashir or some no, other? No, absolutely not with Bashir. Here's the thing. I appreciate, I appreciate this. I saw the scene. I knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. Um, Here's the thing. Um do, do like dudes have relationships where fr- very frequently they like their friends sometimes yeah. maybe more than their wives or at least that's how the wives think about it. Okay. But when they do so they like because because listen this is an indictment on like uh gender performance and expectations and all of that absolutely we're like he's like i can't i can't think of my friends in an intimate way 
because that might make me and I can't accept that and blah blah blah. So you shut down like the the even the po- the possibility or option to it. And this comes from you know as we see in this episode a very um, a very emotionally ethically morally stunted man <laughs> O'Brien yeah just to, just like if we're being real like kind of a like a real piece of shit in this I mean, episode he is in this episode and in many others he is in not many episodes husband material regardless yes. of who is who he's wanting to husband up this is why I'm like there's no like O'Brien would never would never and I'm not saying that like like again you know um desire is something that's fluid and isn't marked by borders in the in the strict ways that we say that it is and blah 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 but he absolutely like is wants to build a wall he absolutely will build that wall and will never go across because he can't there's no way that miles edward o'brien would allow himself to see himself in a way where he could he is so scented he is just like He's he's repressed. He's whatever, yeah. like all that stuff. Absolutely, I'm just saying. Well, it, my whole point with this isn't that like they shouldn't be together. They couldn't. Blah 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 blah. But I'm. But what I'm saying is that like they exemplify a um, a stereotypically straight uh, like friendship, where if they were more evolved, could be something more, maybe. You might watch Rose it and, with want and wish it to be more, but I, what I'm saying is that there's no part of O'Brien that would allow it to be more. And I'm saying, and and in that, I'm saying, don't be disappointed in me. Be disappointed in O'Brien. Well, okay, so that is kind of part of the fun, honestly, because like you can see him getting so close in so many different contexts and settings. And different storylines, which we'll get to later on in the series, in one particular example, that, like, he is just, like, constantly so close to breaking out of his shell, but he's just absolutely terrified of what lies on the other side of it. And I don't think that he's close. I think that whenever he's confronted with, like, the possibility, he he shuts it down immediately. I I don't think that there's ever been... I don't think that there was, like, ever a time where like he may have like you know gone gone across the line or something like i don't think that i don't think that that's actually something that's close to happening except for in one case when it was with a woman which we'll get to (laughs) which we'll get to but yeah which we'll get to um can't wait that's gonna be a lot of fun I'm, i'm saying i'm you know me. You you come at this from a fanfic perspective, and I come at it from this is what the text is. I know. This is what got me in trouble yes, when I was you're on the podcast. <laughs> okay, <laughs> fuck off. Um, but this is what got me like in trouble on that other podcast we're on when I'm like, yeah, like Deanna's terrible at her job, and they're all mad at me and like, well, the writers can't write for women and they blah 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 blah. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but this is what I got. Like, I don't have the writers writing a better character. Yeah. I have this character, just like with Worf. Do I wish Worf were better than this? Not yes, a piece I do. of shit. But do you know? But do you know what I got in ep- this episode with Worf? Worf is a fucking cop. Well, I mean, and it sucks. It sucks. I wish it were better. It's one of those things that, like, it is kind of interesting how any time, and this is just like a mini rant. That's like I'm going to connect to Star Wars because whatever. Um, but any time a character does something that you don't want them to do. There's so many people that are like, oh, it's not canon because somehow a random viewer in some random ass part of the world is suddenly becomes the arbiter of what is and isn't canon. Like canonically, Worf killed a child. I can't do anything about that. I don't wish. Hey, when did Worf kill a child? Well, we'll get to it later. That's a very really? much. Remember the, the Risa episode? He kicked a oh. soccer ball too. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, not in the f- yes in the past, <laughs> and which makes no sense. Again, power scaling. He's My God, no, it's not strength. He kicks his, he kicks a soccer ball and explodes his kid's head like a melon. Then then why is he like being 
in equal fights with other people. Anyways, <laughs> that was him at like 10. We'll get to it. But anyways, my point being... What a bunch of grape in a fruit fight. Boop. <laughs> point being, I don't want that to happen. I wish that was not a part of his backstory. But it is. I can't control it. That's you He's saying it is canon. You're the one saying it's canon. Because the show says it's canon. I know, but you're saying that other people are like you're mad at other people for calling things canon. Right? I'm mad at when people see something on the show that they disagree with. So uh, they decide to remove it from canon. Shipping oh, it, is a completely is different canon. other thing. Okay. Shipping is a completely different other thing. Why, and this is why this is where I come back. Not trying to take away okay. from something this is, that is. This there. is why I come back to. Why would you okay. ever ship anyone with Miles? Listen, we'll get to it when we get to the. Why would you? Why like I'm asking we'll, we'll you? What's I'm saying? What's wrong we'll with you? Okay. What's rotten in your soul? I, I'm sure uh, plenty. Why? Where, why are you that bad at this year? Where I'm do you say, start? <laughs> Rotten. <laughs> to the core. We'll 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 get to them when we talk about which character had a good episode and which all character. Right, 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 right. Don't worry, we will. Okay. Um, Listen, but deleted scene from this episode, uh Miles and Bashir furiously make out until they crash land. Uh and it wasn't because of a plasma storm, it was because they weren't Listen. watching the controls. They clearly are like, hey, we have a spat. We're having a spat. Today is our dart night, but I don't feel like playing darts tonight. Maybe in a couple of days. All I'm saying is they're going to have a makeup uh, dart session. You haven't even acknowledged the fact that Bashir made it, like, was making fun of Miles by being like, Miles, are you gay? Like, that was like, that was the punchline of the joke. It was like, uh, haha, see, you're gay. What do you want? I, oh, you, you wish you were with a man? Wouldn't that be silly? Because be then be gay. Do you that know how many times? Made. Do you know how many times gay people and queer people tease each other about being gay and queer? Do you know how many times yes. I constantly am I'm, teasing uh, my girlfriend June anytime that she gets a new crush on someone? All the fucking time. That's yes, it. I, yes. You know, like it's. But this was this was um this was a a nineties writers room joke about like. You know. Ooh, yes, which in a few <laughs> episodes, in a few episodes, we're getting the lesbian episode. So you know, a little rough in terms that of was, that was that was a nineties writers room fantasy. It was. Uh, <laughs> we'll get to it. And it honestly, it's a lot of people's fantasy to this day. So that was a nineties Matthew fantasy. But, I don't know. You know, maybe it worked okay. out. We'll get <laughs> to it. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Okay. Um, that's enough of that. Uh, which character? Moving right along. Moving right along. Uh, let's talk about uh, good episode and redo. Uh, which character do you think had a good episode this week? Bashir had a great episode. Bashir uh, got to tease his uh, reluctant lover in the in the run in the runabout. You know, it was a fun times. No, but like Bashir has been a very self absorbed, um, you know, posh British man on this show. Like you know, very much like in love firstly with with himself you know like um you know that's that's his orientation you know is very much just like me his orientation is narcissism (laughs) yes and everyone makes fun of him for it and we like roll our eyes at it and you're just like come on dude whatever um but this episode you said went a way to a long way to humanizing jim hadar but i think it went a long way in humanizing bashir where Bashir was willing to um, put himself in danger and not really think about it um, and not worry about the consequence of what his healing these people might do. You know, he hears, he has the information, these people will be dead in five days, right? Or they've got five days till they kill each other. And he could be like, okay, cool. He could be like O'Brien and be like, okay, cool. Can't wait till they die. Let me just like bullshit around and whatever. But he's earnestly trying to find a way to save these people. And he's he's able to do that and think of um, you know, what that might mean for them and their people. Like it's a good episode for Bashir, I think. No, you know, I think even, it's a great even at the end where he's like, um, I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna write you up. You know, yeah. I'm not gonna I'm That's not gonna be style. like a little a fucking baby about this like yeah i'm i'm no worth right he's he's not you know he's not being a fucking 
hall monitor or whatever. They didn't have a bathroom pass. You know what I mean? Like he's he's like this is this meant something. I'm very disappointed. This is why. This is how it like affects the way that we're gonna even see each other. You know, and um, there we go. That I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, it's no, like, it, can't change anything. We're, we're moving forward. So I thought it was a good episode for sure. Yeah, I I like where we've got you know Bashir has always been a little bit naive, a little bit I- idealistic, mm-hmm. and he keeps that ideal idealism, but he also has seen some things you know and like over the course of the series he's seen more and more things and so the idealism is rooted in a different place you know it's it's yeah. less about less from naivete and more about no we need this you know more like, about I, principles like yeah, he's earned about. he's earned his principles in a way in a way here that he hadn't before before they had been theory and here yeah. he he actually right. lived them out and it's yeah. like the Hippocratic Oath exists, blah, 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 whatever. That's the name of this. But he he actually, he did it in practice when push came to shove. Yeah. So good good for him. Also, uh, he had a good bit between uh, Miles with a whole, uh, the whole Miles <laughs> keeping on calling him sir and Oprah yeah. like, Pusher being like, if you keep this up, you may make fine officer someday. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Thank you. That, that yeah. From you, that means a lot. I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> Very, very fun bit. Cork, um, yeah. uh, I had Cork as having a good episode. Um, he didn't get fucked over by Odo, so that's always a win for him. Um, he made a cute little joke about low-quality mugshots um, and that how he just doesn't discriminate against anyone in his uh, in his shop. That all are welcome at Quirks. Uh, just, you know, good stuff for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, sometimes we have to stretch really, really hard to make sure that we do not have the exact same person for uh, who had a good episode and uh, who would like a redo. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we do. Um, I had Worf as wanting a redo in this episode, um, but he doesn't want a redo. So I want better for <laughs> him and he doesn't want better for himself. And that sucks. You wish that it were better. I can only lead uh, a horse to water. I can't make him drink. Uh, I want better for him. Uh, who do you have as wanting a redo? Uh, that would be O'Brien. It's uh, Miles Edward racist O'Brien. <laughs> Miles Edward um, kill them all O'Brien. <laughs> just a, just a reactionary, just a just a fucking hawk. You know, like oh, there's not like there's an opportunity for, to murder people. Like the bloodlust just like gets into his brain and he's like he's never been more excited he hasn't yeah yeah um, he yeah, hasn't been know. this hard since he put a workstation into his bedroom like he yeah. is so he he could not be more excited to be killing people and then he starts just doing like stupid things you know like um you know he does a transporter trick okay cool like he got him but he was talking like super spicy to the Jimadar who picked him up by the throat with one hand and like threw him down onto a table. And then he's like, well, you, you never know what would have happened if I had gotten away. Blah blah blah. I'm like, fool, like what are you like, what are you talking about? Then he's out here doing like Ewok traps. I I had the same notes. I had the same notes. He's out here doing Ewok tactics. (laughs) Oh, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that. He 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 lost his motherfucking mind. Like there was, if he wanted to get through that situation, like man flashbacks. There, there were like eighteen better ways of accomplishing, like the goals of getting off that place than the way than what he did. He just went into, no, we're we're blah blah blah, and it's like, um, dog, come on, I don't know, chill, yeah, uh, maybe take a beat and uh, go with the second option, go with whatever Plan B was. I do have a question for O'Brien. Yes. And that is, um, does anyone check his calendar? Like, what was he doing on Jane 6? <laughs> uh, uh, check his calendar, check his, uh, like, ge- you know, geotag. Like, tags. where, where was he on January 6? Uh, all, check all... his Instagram hashtags. Um, uh, you know, just, uh, he wants the wall. The election. Like, just, um, my God, this guy, this, uh, this kill them all ass dude. And listen, bro, like you're putting 
a workbench in insane but in your bedroom like that doesn't make that doesn't even make any sense like first off um you don't have to be home you could work on a workbench in your office yeah where the work is yeah or you could set up a workbench like like but like what do you what do you do just to, and then it's he's gonna be mad at her like blah 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 you wish i weren't here like yeah i wish you weren't here <laughs> like you know like uh this guy this guy it's, it's very classic like 90s husband you know stuff uh and uh i hate it uh again just as i want better for worth i want better for 90s era's husbands um but they don't want better for themselves so <laughs> what can you do uh not much that's true there's uh there's one i understand where he's coming from to a much smaller degree in particular instances but i'm not going to get into it because um oh. my cake goes on the couch next to me okay uh <laughs> what's up, um, i just got i just got a, i just got a middle figure it's pretty good only one no you stay you stay we're almost done <laughs> no i'm not going to say what i want i don't want to say anything i would just say that sometimes sometimes i get things moved to the kitchen and i'm like i'm the one that's in the kitchen so why is this getting moved from where, you know, I, I know how to use it. I know where it is. We're good. It's all good. See, we're fine. <laughs> okay. All right, I'm going to die. This yeah, good last luck. Um, Let's talk about some straight final thoughts, uh, which are going to be final for you, because uh, this is a free. final thoughts for me. Very much so. Um, shout out to Worf getting a job description. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> He got a bullshit ass job title in this season premiere, and uh, he now gets a very, very vague job description, but a job description nonetheless. So good for him. Yes, his coordinating efforts, coordinating Federation activities in the sector. The job description that they gave Worf is a job description that I would have written down on my resume. No, I do uh, so uh, activities in this in this department i coordinate uh company activities in my department you have a very impressive looking title but one that's not self-explanatory can you explain it oh yeah that uh, was uh coordinating up the wazoo <laughs> i'm really good at, i'm really good at excel don't test me uh do you have any other thoughts before i get to the trivia uh no i was looking at my notes app and all my things were just like uh everything was an o'brien thing so yeah. i think we got through it okay um a couple of these are going to kind of get repeated but um ronald d moore uh from the writer's perspective uh was saying that they wanted to use this episode to differentiate how ds9's wharf was going to be from tng's wharf we said that already but his mm-hmm. quote he used to be a cop, more or less, on the uh, Enterprise D, but it's not going to be like that anymore. We wanted to keep emphasizing this is not TNG. The station doesn't work like the Enterprise. Worf is going to have some troubles fitting in, but he's going to learn. I don't know why I said it like that. Um, sorry, Ronald D. Moore. Thank you for uh, making For All Mankind. I'm very excited for it to come back. Okay. Uh, the role of the head Jimadar is played by Scott McDonald, who is who also played our sweet baby boy Tusk with the big ass thighs. Oh, Brian. Same guy. Oh, Brian. And they got to have scenes together. How lovely. Um, This is the first appearance of Miles O'Brien's new rake insignia on his collar. Uh, So now he has one that shows his enlisted rank of chief petty officer. Um, So that's very exciting um for me and others others of my own uh that are into those details uh speaking of uniform details first actual appearance of kira's new uniform uh technically we saw it last week in the visitor but that was an alternate timeline so this is the real one so yeah that's the mm-hmm. that's what we mm-hmm. get um and uh yeah so that was the trivia uh for today next week we're going to be talking about the episode Indiscretion. Uh, Kira and Goldukat go on a little uh, road trip uh, to go try to find a lost prisoner ship. And uh, it turns out that Dukat has ulterior motives for going on the trip, as he is one to do. And uh, he might just have a teeny little, tiny little secret. Uh, you know, a little... Uh, uh, 
God, how do I say, <laughs> you know, refer to it in a way that is not explicitly, you know, spoiling. Let's just say he went out. There was a situation ship. He had a little situation ship. Yeah. Yeah. As he is one to do, because that is not the last time. <laughs> oh, no. The next one is uh, much worse. That we hear that he had a little situation ship in the particular manner in which this situation ship um, takes place. Uh, that man has a habit of, let's just say, um, he and uh, he and Jake Sisko are attracted to the same type of woman. Let's just say that. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you know, so that's that's coming up next week. Uh, and I think we get Cassidy Yates in next week's episode as well. Um, we're speaking of 90s era's husbands, I think it's got a weird uh 90s era's men storyline with his relationship with Cassidy Yates. I don't know, we'll have to wait until next week to see that. I remember not, we'll see. I remember not either, honestly. Like, I saw in the summary for next week's episode and it said something about Cassidy Yates. I'm like, oh, she's in this episode? Oh, that's so exciting. I love Cassidy Yates. I had no idea she was in this episode. So I just remember uh, Kira Ducat and the third person. <laughs> uh, the third person. Right. You'll have to wait and see who that is. Um, a real uh, real waste of a character, but you know, whatever. God, we'll get to that. What did I say? Didn't I say? Uh, Speaking of what, season six, we'll get to that. What, what trash was I talking before? I don't remember. Oh, okay, yeah. I remember. I think I said it was um, that what happened to that person was the most interesting thing that we'd seen happen with that person. Aww, and like you that. were like, you you get very uh, sad when people uh, when characters, you know. I, with this particular character, there's a lot for me to be sad about. Don't worry. I'll yeah. have, have opportunities. Sorry. Right. <laughs> uh, but for now, it is time for us to release Stocking Clamps and pilot our tough little ship away from Tarek Noir. If you like our show, we'd appreciate you giving it a five-star rating and a glowing review. Thank you all for listening. We hope you join us next week. But until then, walk with the prophets, child. <laughs>